right center net. with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This hour underway. It's Tuesday, April 18th as we welcome you into our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio and we welcome you to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockAndSafe.com. Yeah, Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson at Post Media with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. So here we are a day later, still trying to digest everything that went down on Monday. And at least uh, it's, it's digesting for us. Flames do about this on Wednesday, we found out. So we think anyway. Yeah, I'm not certain that it was a final decision by any stretch on, on Wednesday. Wednesday. You know, what we learned yesterday during the press conference was Don Maloney relayed that he was sitting in his office with Brad Treliving and and that was the first time on Wednesday that Brad said, you know what, I, I'm not sure I can do this. I'm, I'm not sure I'll be back. I do believe, and the announcement came out yesterday, I do believe there was some work through the weekend to whether it was try to change his mind or whether that was, you know, to see what sort of solution they could come to. I don't think everyone left the rink on Wednesday night knowing that yesterday's announcement would be coming out. I I really do think that there was some work that got them to the point that Brad confirmed. Yeah. uh, You know what? time for me to go that's probably fair and this is not like completely catching the flames off guard Don Maloney even told us on Monday when he joined us that you know the John Bean and Murray Edwards went to him and said if Brad does decide to leave or if we don't get something done would you be interested in in taking a larger role in hockey operations. So they, they knew that in a, a, some small form or large form or somewhere in between that this was a possibility. There's no doubt about it. But for, and, and so did you and I. And so did you listening. We all knew that this could happen. We all knew that this was one of the potential potential eventualities. And yet, when you get that, when, when I... It's funny, I was uh, responding to a DM from one of our colleagues... Um, Mark Eric at uh, at CBC or Radio Canada, and I was responding to a message to him because he was wondering, do you know when they're going to do their end of season availability with GM and coach? And so I was responding to him, and as it hit ten thirty, announcement popped up on my notifications. And at first, I was like, did I just read that right? So I went and I looked at it again. Yep, yeah, I sure did, and it was a stunner. As much as you think it could happen you're still stunned when it does happen and that's the best way that i could describe it as much as you're bracing yourself for that potential when the news actually hits it still catches you off guard yeah you know i've been asked so many times in the past 24 hours some version of the question were you surprised and and the question still catches me a little bit 
in the sense of I don't think anyone could say they were surprised that Brad Treliving might not be back as general manager of the Flames. We've been talking about it on this program. I've been writing about it. We all knew that at the very least, Brad's future with the team was the the biggest, the number one, the thing number one issue, yep. the first thing on the to do list. And yet, I had the same reaction you did when when the email drops into your inbox. Yeah, my my jaw initially dropped. Maybe I, you and I talked about this off mic plenty. I did not envision Brad walking away. I I know the work ethic he has and and i'm certainly not questioning that today i know how invested he was in this group and and just knowing that level of investment i i sort of wondered whether he'd be able to say no it's time for something different for me and i guess i sort of thought when push came to shove maybe he wouldn't be able to that he's put so much time and effort into this group it's been such a frustrating season that he would want to see it through. And I don't fault him for a second for the decision that he made yesterday, but that's why I was surprised by it. Fair. And there's a lot of different interpretations of what went down because understandably we haven't heard from Brad. I don't know when, if, if, when that's going to happen, but we haven't heard from Brad and I don't think we expected to. I don't think uh, that's not a surprise. I wouldn't be talking either. And we did hear from the team. We heard from John Bean on Monday. We heard from Don Maloney on Monday. And there's been a lot of different interpretations throughout the season. And now as we're into the aftermath of this, and I I, I think some of it is is false. Some of the interpretation, the fact that, you know, there was some people who said, well, Brad Johnny Gaudreau, the Flames. Well, no, he didn't. That's false. That's That's not how it happened. Um, the Flames fired Brad is also false. That's not what happened. Um, the Flames said, we're choosing Daryl Sutter over you. Please leave. I, that's not an accurate interpretation of the way things went. Because in the end, I do strongly believe that both sides wanted to continue the relationship with conditions. And I believe that here we are sitting a little more than 24 hours after the announcement. I do believe both sides are upset that the relationship didn't continue. I think that I think there is like a feeling of I wish that the other side would have taken that one next step or last step to the middle. That step wasn't taken and here we are. I think both sides are I don't think they're mad at the other side, but I think they're upset that it couldn't get done. And just listen to this clip from Elliot Friedman. This was him with us on Flames Talk on Monday and I think he I think he lays it out pretty clearly in terms of the surprise that because there was a desire on both sides to extend this relationship, the fact that it is not being extended is somewhat of a surprise. I think Brad Tree Living wanted to stay as general manager of the Calgary Flames, and I think the Calgary Flames wanted uh, Brad Tree Living to stay on. And in my experience, when you have uh, two people at the side of a table who want to get something done, Nine times out of ten, it gets done. This is the one time. So why is this the one time? That was Elliot Friedman on Monday's Flames Talk. Why is this the one time is going to be the question that I am trying. 
I don't mean like digging on it or trying to get to the bottom, just bottom of just the one question that's going to stick with me for the next number of weeks and months. Why is this the one time? Because I firmly believe what Elliot believes. Everything that I'm, um, I've been told is that yeah, there was a desire on both sides. So why didn't it get there? It's going to be a question until Brad speaks publicly, whenever he decides he's he's ready to do that, and I think what several of us have heard is that he'd like to wait for the the dust to settle a little bit so to speak and and it might <clears throat> excuse me it might continue to be a question after Brad speaks i i don't know that we'll ever get the total truth on why it got to this point and i don't think there's <clears throat> i don't think there's that one really easy answer to it you know the 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 message we heard yesterday at the Saddledome from Don Maloney and, and John Bean was Brad needs a break. The The job is such a grind, such a 24-7 commitment, and, and now a 12-month-a-year commitment that he needs a break from that grind. And I believe absolutely that is part of it. We've heard the speculation out there, and Elliot wrote in his latest 32 Thoughts column that Part of it was the deteriorating relationship with Daryl Sutter. I absolutely believe yep. that that's a part of it. I still want to know why, if there was an extension being thrown back and forth in the fall, it didn't get done. And I don't think it was lack of interest at that point. So was it about money? Was it about term? Potentially how that would tie you to the head coach or wouldn't tie you to the head coach? Was that about some other sort of assurances as it might have pertained to his staff? I, I honestly, I have no idea. But I think all these little pieces add up to what came down as the decision yesterday. I don't think it was all about needing a break. I don't think it was all about Daryl. I don't think it was all about money or term on a potential contract extension. I, I truly believe there were a bunch of things thrown in that pot that got us to this point we're at today. I think that's fair. Um, and I, I, I think undoubtedly the part about the, 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 the relationship with Daryl Sutter is that's kind of the, the juiciest one, right? Like if we're TMZ, that's the one that we're leading our, our 30 minute show on. That's the one that's showing up on the, the front page of, of the, the sensationalist newspaper. Like that's, that's the one that is the juiciest, right? Is that there's no doubt there was a strained relationship as the year went along between coach and general manager. I, I remember when Matthew Phillips got called up, I will never forget this because they'd never done it before, but there was a picture of Matthew Phillips scoring a goal and it says general manager, Brad Living announces that Matthew Phillips has been called up. There, there's like I'd forgot about that, but that's one of those things you look back on, isn't it? It it was like we all knew that there was that they, they were not always on different planes. There was many a different uh, example or or piece of evidence that would point to it. But that one, I was like, okay, that's that's brand new. Never seen that before. Especially when you follow it with Matthew Phillips being up for nine games and playing eighteen minutes. Was it 18 when it was all said and done? Yeah. And didn't play that first game, remember? And and then didn't play six in a and row. Then, then played two, then yeah. didn't play six in a row. 
So I do finally think, sent down at Christmas. Exactly. And and never got another opportunity. Um so I do think that was a significant part of it. Um and whether it was if you want to use the term power struggle, I think that's fair. Um I think at the time when the two extensions were tabled and one was taken and one wasn't, I think term was a big part of it. And I can understand why you're like, okay, I've been here for nine years. We just have set the organization on a brand new path. I can understand, especially knowing Brad and his awareness and how aware he would have been about his cachet in the league. I would have wanted more than Daryl as well. I would have, no, I would like a little bit more security and a little bit because that that helps balance the power struggle a little bit. So I can fully understand why term might have been part of it at that point. Um, and I think that there's also the insinuation that maybe there wasn't a huge desire to continue working together going forward. So I don't know which of those led the way in him deciding not to take a contract offer and not to return. But there's no doubt about it that in some form or another, not being on the same page with Daryl Sutter is a reason why the Flames don't have a general manager right now. And that is why, as they go through their internal audit, and as, the, as Don Maloney goes undertakes his review here, I think you need to be careful as to how you make this hire because I don't think you want to have because there's a lot a lot of talk about how well they might hire a general manager who is kind of a puppet general manager for the coach. I don't think you should do that. That's not the way that you run a successful organization either. It certainly can't be. I think having a general manager who's willing to push back on a coach and a coach that's willing to push back on a general manager is important. And I, I don't think you can have a coach, Daryl Sutter, and his record in this city or not. I don't think you can have a guy that goes unchecked by the general manager. That, to me, is a really important factor that they have to consider here because it clearly played a part and a non-negligible part as to why Brad is no longer here. And if they wanted him back and that played a part in the current general manager leaving, I think you need to be very careful about how you go about hiring the next one and the type of autonomy that you give that general manager. Because if that autonomy is limited or is trumped by a coach, what are you doing? I, I you got to be really careful on this. Yeah, and I, I wrote something today, sort of just a list of questions that are, are looming over this general manager search. And one of them for me was, how the Sutter factor impacts it. And and I asked that from a, a couple different standpoints. I want to know if there's any top candidates that hear that part of the reason that Brad did not want to be back and, and rest assured all those top candidates read 32 thoughts, wondering if their name's going to pop up. I want to know if any of those people see that part of the reason that Brad isn't back is a deteriorating relationship with Daryl and say, you know what? I'll wait for another opportunity. I want to know if there's any leading candidates that say, no, thanks. I'm not going to throw my hat in the ring for this one because of that potential rift of that power struggle. And the fact that as a, a possible first time general manager, I don't think I can win that. And so 
I wonder how many candidates look at this and say, no, no, that's a can't win situation for me. And I also wonder what sort of assurances the Flames will be willing to give or or what sort of power they'll be willing to give. If if I'm sitting there and and I was not one of the hundreds of people who texted Don Maloney <laughs> applying for the job yesterday, but if I'm sitting there in a job interview and they say, okay, well, do you have any questions for us? I want to know if, as Frank Saravalli put it, Daryl is bulletproof. I want to know, maybe not immediately, but I want to know if I have to make a coaching change, if I want to bring in my guy, do I have the green light to do that? And the answer to those questions, how much power does Daryl have? How much control does Daryl have? How much of a say am I going to have as general manager? That, I think, is going to have a serious impact on the caliber of candidates that are going to be interested in this job. And so the Calgary Flames need to have the right answers to those yep. questions. That's a really well well put way of, of explaining it. Because there have been many situations where that kind of sets a franchise in a bad direction for a little while. If one person has a little bit too much say and I don't know. Checks and balances are important in yeah. pro sports these days. There's a reason why you don't have setups like the Flames had prior to Daryl's departure the first time. There's a reason why we haven't seen a head coach, general manager in ages. And there is a specifically not for any long period of time. There's a reason why you. Daryl didn't have an assistant general manager for the vast majority of his tenure until his last year where he had Jay Feaster for like three months before Daryl and the Flames parted ways the first time. You don't, the job with a salary cap that is the smartest people have trouble figuring it out, let alone you and I, the, the, like it, it is an extremely, like that's a monster. The salary cap and the CBA is a monster to navigate that, to navigate the, ridiculous in um, uh, escalation of contracts over the last little bit to to deal with all that goes into making a successful franchise in a Canadian market, dealing with ownership, all that type of stuff. You can't do it as one person anymore. And so checks and balances, I think, are are extremely important. Yep. So I don't I I to, to your point, I think that they gotta have answers ready that will convince potential candidates, applicants, whatever, that they're going to have the type of autonomy they need here. And and Daryl is not... Uh, Daryl's a presence. It, not everyone can check and balance Daryl Sutter. He is extremely well-respected. He's extremely successful. And he can be a little bit, from everything we've heard, my way or the highway. Yep, And so... If someone like Brad Treliving didn't always feel like that was a tenable relationship, I wonder what it's going to be like for a new candidate. And these are are questions that have to be answered. And we're going to get into this in the next segment. It's also what makes Don Maloney so important. Yep, agreed. Because it can't just be the new GM walking into the president of hockey operations office and saying, yeah, I recalled the next Matthew Phillips today and Daryl says he's not going to play him. And and so 
Nah, I guess there's nothing we can do about that. It there needs to be some unity at the Saddle Dome. They we need to see the front office and the coaching staff on the right page. And maybe it's getting blown out of proportion how off page they are right now. You know, it's easy to look at at the Matthew Phillips situation. That was a very clear power struggle. Maybe, maybe it's maybe there's a little more harmony there than we think, but I still don't think there's nearly enough. Great. Want to read you? And, and, and the last thing I'll say before we dive in on the text line at 960, 960, because it's very active. They've got a really important hire because I, my feel going back, because we've been talking about this since October, since the season started and GM didn't have an extension and coach did. My feel all along is that if there was a desire for Brad to come back, that they should bring him back. My my kind of party line or my opinion that did not change throughout the season was he set the course in a set the team on a brand new course during the offseason. We were all lauding him for it during the offseason. It didn't go well in year one, clearly, but I felt if he was cool coming back that you should do what it takes to bring him back to let him see a brand new vision through. Because I don't feel like we were completely off base with all of the excitement and all of the buzz that we had coming into the season. And we weren't the only ones. You know, people out of market, the the most respected names in hockey were all picking the flames to go deep in the playoffs and felt like they could be a better group. And I know 82 games did not prove that. 82 games showed us there's a lot of work to do here. But he still did set a new direction for the team, and it was a direction that ownership was very happy with at the time and very excited about to the tune of $84 million and then however much it was for Uyghur and $49 million for Kadri. Yeah. They, they, <clears throat> a couple money hundred talks. million. Yeah. yeah. Money talks, right? Yeah. So why not let them see that vision through? So I my, my biggest worry here, and when talking with callers postgame and all that type of stuff, yeah, of course Brad made mistakes. Not every, for a guy that did not keep the bat on his shoulders very often, yeah, he had some swings and misses or some pop-outs to the left of the third baseline. and uh, Like, yeah. But I think that he did a pretty solid job, all things considered. Made the team better when he left than when he took over. And I think you can do a whole lot worse than Brad Living, and that's what worries me, is that you can do a whole lot worse than the guy who just left. And I don't know, could you do better? Sure, maybe. But you could do a whole lot worse. And I, I'm a little, I just, it's a really important decision the Flames have to make here as to who the next guy is. And I don't think that a Chuck Fletcher or a Ron Hextall or somebody who's been there, done that, is the way to go. It's why I respect the way Don Maloney has framed it. He's like, I'm here to be the interim GM but I'm hiring somebody that's going to be the general manager and be the lead of this hockey ops department. They just got to get this one right. They really do. Absolutely. They, they got to prove that they didn't let the wrong man go or they didn't make a grave mistake by letting Tree walk. Yeah, and and I think, listen, I, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think they had a very good person and a very good general manager on the job. Now, 
this team has been to the playoffs in five of Brad's nine seasons as GM. They've only advanced to the second round of the playoffs in two of those. And so if it was decided that it, it you know what, it's time for a change on both sides, I, I can get that. But to your point, it underscores the importance of this hire. Your last GM hire was a success. You had him on the job for nine seasons. He made several, many moves that made your team better. He he took over a team and they were better off in the nine seasons that they had Brad as their general manager. Now the key is to find the next Brad Chalivian. Yeah. You got to find the right guy. You absolutely have to get this right. You talked about expectations that you don't think we were too far off when we were building this team as a could-be contender. Well, if that is the case, then this should be an appealing job. Even with the potential power struggle with the coach, the, that roster should appeal to an up-and-coming assistant general manager, to someone who wants a second crack, whatever it might be. This should be a job that appeals, and you absolutely have to get the right person. Yep. I just said, I just, I feel like as of right now on April 18th, not knowing who the new general manager is going to be, I feel like maybe a few more concessions to be made would have been the way to go. I, I feel like if there was more to be done in the what it takes category, I just hope the Flames aren't regretting the fact they didn't do all that it takes to keep a guy that was smart, hardworking, swung for the fences at times, but made the team better over his nine years than when he took it over. They and lost a good one. They did. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely, they did. And I think they've got some really interesting candidates to dive in on, and there's some really good guys out there. But I just, I worry that, you know, this might be, you know how we're talking about maybe trees looking at other places and saying maybe the grass is greener. I just hope the Flames don't learn the hard way that, yeah, the grass was way greener the way we had it. Then. And, and it's on them. We and don't they know might. how it's going to go. They might be able to find the right guy. But that's, that's, that's the big concern now and the thing that they have to make sure that they do their due diligence on as they search for their next general manager. And if they can get nine years out of the next guy, then they'll be pretty happy. Read a few texts. Pat and West with you this hour on Flamestock. Um, this says, this all makes no sense from a future perspective. Daryl doesn't like his prospects or new long-term contracted players. Um, he was a pain for the GM, and he's the one who gets a pass and is expected to build the future of this team. What did the Flames say to new candidates? You can do what you want, except when Daryl doesn't like it. It's the recipe for another disaster of a season that comes from Stephen Haysborough. The only thing is, is that if you go hire a new general manager and he gets a three- or a four-year deal, well, then all of a sudden is a little bit more sense of autonomy, I think. Remember, Brad did just... I don't think he changed the way that he approached things at all this past year, but he was still in that lame duck category, right? Like, he was still a guy on an expiring deal and the coach wasn't, so it it changes the dynamic even if you don't approach your business any differently, it just changes the dynamic period because of the circumstance. It's got to be three. 
Yeah. Minimum. Yep. Yeah. I agree. I, I might not go beyond three, but it's got to be a three-year deal. Uh, this says Brad was handcuffed. He couldn't stay to work with Sutter, but he extended Sutter, so you have no choice but to go. Uh, this from Jeff, the player coach dynamic scares me more than the GM coach dynamic right now in regards to Sutter. Huberdeau's complaints through his agent and Kadri's lack of passion and obvious strife with the coach down the stretch are concerning. How is this remedied without any changes? Where's the optimism? Uh, this says, doesn't Conroy make the most sense? He knows Daryl the best and has a lot of history with him. Uh, this says... Is the reluctance by some players to commit long-term on clean-out day because they knew of the true living decision? I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know that answer as to when players knew or when players didn't know that this was going to happen. I don't think they knew on clean-out day. But I couldn't say that with absolute certainty. But I don't believe they knew. This says clearly the Flames mismanaged the entire situation. The wrong man left. It's too bad Sutter doesn't see what everyone else sees. Uh, he's the curmudgeon shaking his fist at the sky. He's out of touch with reality, thinking it's his way or the highway. Uh, this says, I'm having a terrible case of seller's remorse, Pat. Did the rookie GM make mistakes? Sure, but he was smart, the hardest working manager out there, flexible, adaptable, and ready to learn, good hockey instincts, and excellent integrity. Does that change the facts with respect to five different coaches in nine years? No first-rounders from 2010 to 27 um, left with the organization out of the first round only twice, and probably the hardest to overlook, the inability to re-sign the two franchise superstars. I think Brad missed that opportunity in an effort to get the best deal, like Johnny's previous contract, Forest for the trees that turned out to be a mistake. And if Johnny stays, who's to say what Matthew ends up doing? Not to mention exposing Sam and Yuso to five different coaches, but I digress. All that being said, I'll miss him, and I do feel that in his next NHL job that he's going to learn from this experience and be that much better. I wish him the best. Um, there you go at uh, 960, 960. Just a few of the different texts. The day after, we learned that Brad Living's no longer the GM of the Calgary Flames. Let me just share something before we mm-hmm. wrap this segment. I, and I know <clears throat> yourself and, and Vixie talked yesterday a lot about Brad Living, the person. I shared something on Twitter last night, and I'll just share it again for those who didn't see. I have a text message shared or saved, I'm sorry, on my phone from five plus years ago, the, the day that my dad passed away from Brad Living. And long enough, like not just a cursory story to hear my condolences, long enough that you have to scroll twice to the bottom of your phone to read the whole thing. Not what, as a beat reporter, you would expect to get from an NHL GM saying, call me anytime. Here's my experience with losing my mom. I'm a great listener because I have huge ears. All that stuff from Brad that day. And I I just want to share that because we're going to talk about the hockey decisions and we're going to talk about what maybe went wrong. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't join the chorus of people saying, this is a really good human being who made Calgary better in his time here. Yep. And wherever he lands, I absolutely wish him the best. Yeah, I'm glad you shared that. That's, uh, that's just another example of what I think we, and we're guilty of it too, gets lost way too much in this business is just the telling the, the human side of it as well. And um, I don't know, I'm glad you shared that. That's, uh, that's really neat. That's a good way to uh, 
heading to uh, the pause. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio here. Uh, where am I reading? Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They're all things basement Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. As we continue along on this Tuesday edition of Flames Talk, Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson along with you. Time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Cal and Gary's is the only family of products curated for the tastes of Calgarians. And you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. And inside hockey, just a... Kind of a rhetorical question in a lot of ways. Who is Don Maloney? What do we know about the president of hockey operations? Because over the last number of years since he joined the team in 2017, he's been very much in the background. And and we know about his long history with Brad Living. And Brad was Maloney's general manager, uh, assistant general manager, rather, in Arizona or Phoenix at the time. He's been very much in the background and and not a public face over the last number of years with the Flames organization. And he's just stepped in to a position that the Flames have not had anybody in for five years since Brian Burke walked away from the organization in April of 2018. So now you've got Don Maloney as the president of hockey operations, the man who is at the very top of the on-ice product decision-making department, And it kind of has gotten lost in the shuffle over the last number of hours, days, because of the Brad Treliving Fuhrer and the Brad Treliving Hubbub. So what do we know about Don Maloney? Because I I think it's a very, well, I don't think. We all know it's a very important position. And I actually think the more I've thought about this, we're talking about, I think, a really important person to have as you go through a quite tumultuous period right now. To have a guy with decades of hockey experience, very much. I'm going to play you a clip in a second, but I'll bounce off for you, I'll bounce it off you first of all. A very experienced guy, without any misconceptions or illusions of what he's there to do. You know, you don't get the sense that he's trying to be the next general manager. In fact, he has said everything to the contrary about wanting to be this team's general manager. I think it's important to have a guy like Don Maloney in the position that he's in as the Flames go through this very important transitional time. Yeah, and I don't blame John Bean for initially asking, as we heard he did from Don Maloney, I I don't blame him for initially wanting to know if Brad and Don were a package deal because Brad was Don's assistant general manager for a, a lengthy spell in Arizona. When Don lost his job in Arizona, he started as a pro scout in Calgary. He's eventually elevated to vice president of hockey operations. He becomes, in in many ways, one of Brad's or or Brad's right-hand man, one of his most trusted advisors, one of his confidants. And I guess 
<laughs> I'll just share this. When the news came out that Don Maloney had signed a contract extension, what was that, a week or so ago? I wondered, well, why would they be extending Don Maloney before making a decision on Brad? I, I saw those two as a package deal. And, but I think yesterday we heard all the right things. We, we saw the emotion that Brad wasn't going to be back, but I thought it was important to say, I, I'm not the right guy to be the GM of this team. We need someone younger. We need somebody inventive. I, I forget what the third word was, but he, he said the right things. I, I was very impressed with what I heard from Don Maloney. And was it progressive? It might have been progressive. Yeah. Let me play this clip. Okay. This is because I think he'll, I think, I think the word he uses in this clip is progressive. This is from our chat with him on Flames Talk on Monday when Don Maloney joined us in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems hot stove lounge after his news conference. And so I asked him about what it means to be the president of hockey operations. They haven't had anybody in this job for five years. So what does it look like from his standpoint? What does the hockey operations department look like now? And I really appreciated Don's answer because I think it sheds light on what he's here to do and what he's looking for in a new general manager. We had actually talked about this many months ago, John Bean and, uh, and uh, certainly Murray Edwards involved and, uh, um, the idea that if Brad were to leave, would I consider this type of scenario? And uh, so, I, I, you know what, it, to me, it's, uh, they asked me at that time, do I want to be the manager? Would you be interested, Tony wanted? would I be interested in the manager? And, yeah. and really, Pat, I, I just didn't think, for me and the organization, that I, I felt that we need something different. I, I've had two kicks of the cat. I, I can help. I just don't think I have. I don't feel internally that I'm the right person to drive this team forward. I think we need a, a progressive thinker, a, somebody that's uh, not that. Not that I don't think I am somewhat progressive, but right. uh, just a new, a new something, something different, some sharp, sharp person that's uh, on the cusp of getting his chance. I've had mine. I just thought that was you don't you don't hear that a lot in pro sports. I've had my shot. I've been a general manager twice. He was GM of the New York Islanders in the early 90s and was GM of the Arizona Coyotes starting in 2007. I, you just don't hear that very often, and I think it's so important to have a guy that Murray Edwards and John Bean went to said, would you be interested in being the next general manager if Brad Living and the team aren't able to come to an agreement? And he said no. And not to say they would have given him the job, but like, would you be interested? Is that something that we would talk about? Would you be interested in being a candidate? He said, no, that's not, I don't think that I'm the right guy. So instead, they go this direction, and now having all that experience to really spearhead the search for who the, who the next right guy is, I think it's kind of, kind of fell into something here in a lot of ways and, and have a really nice luxury on their hands and... I just I really appreciated kind of the transparency there of Maloney and and how he's looking at his job as president of hockey operations. And not to say he doesn't have any power, but he's still very much looking at it as kind of an overseeing position as opposed to the hands-on I'm making all the calls type situation. You know what struck me yesterday afternoon as I was sort of digesting all this and then struck me again moments ago when you were talking about Don Maloney going into sort of a tumultuous 
situation at the Saddle Dome. I'll I'll tell you a guy who probably doesn't think what's happening at the Saddle Dome is that tumultuous is a guy who was the general manager in Arizona when the league controlled the team. Wayne Gretzky was the head coach. Various financial issues. There was bankruptcy. There was, as I said, being owned by the league. Like Don Maloney managed through an absolute blank show for years in Arizona. And there's no comparison with what is going on in Calgary, but I think that experience can be helpful for a guy who talked about having a mess to clean up yesterday, who talked about needing to get to the bottom of what made this such a rotten season, why some of the issues we keep hearing about may have come up at the South Dome. He was in those exit meetings with the players, which I think is so important. And so the more I think about it, I agree it's a really nice fit. And hearing that Don Maloney doesn't want to be the general manager doesn't make me think that he's going to want to be calling the general manager shots from the president of hockey operations office. Mm. You don't, as we talked about in the previous segment, and I don't mean to circle us back to this, you don't want your head coach trying to be the general manager. Well, if this is the way you have your hockey ops department structured, you also don't want the president of hockey ops trying to be the general manager. And I think we left yesterday and I hadn't heard your interview with Don. That just adds to it. I think we left with no indication that he wants to be the guy pulling the strings. Not long-term. Yep. And, and he'll be happy to do so in the next number of weeks or months or however long it takes for the flames to get it right and find their new general manager. The good news is as much as I think mid May is the timeline and a good time for them to hire somebody. If they do wait until after the draft and after free agency, the scouting staff has gone about their draft preparation the same way that they would have had Brad Trilliffin been been staying. And Don Maloney worked with Brad on this hockey op staff, so I don't think it's going to be all that different in terms of the way they go about approaching the draft. And they don't have... They don't have the same type of immediate decisions this summer as they did last summer when it comes to contracts. But I still think, here's, by the way, I I asked about a timeline. This is a little bit more from Don Maloney on the timeline for finding a new general manager. Whether we find somebody in uh, two weeks or a month or could be August. Obviously, this in in a lot of ways, um, sooner, when I say sooner, uh, you know, May, you know, in May, June is better than August, September, simply because I do believe you need to hire a, a, a coach as, you know, or, I'm sorry, a GM as uh, early as possible just yeah. to uh, just to get him up and running sooner rather than later. But we want the right guy. So I do think mid-May is a reasonable timeline for them to get this done, but getting the right guy is important. And in the meantime, between now and whenever they hire the general manager, you've got a guy that has been in lockstep with the outgoing general manager on this hockey ops department. I don't think you're going to get a ton of deviation or crazy changes based on or, or, or from how they were operating 
prior to Brad Trelevin walking away. He's not making four trades before he hires yeah, the next general manager. Exactly. That that's absolutely true. And, and the one thing I would add to what you said is he also he already and and he talked yesterday about not being around the group too often, but he has a rapport with the players and staff as well. I can tell you from the times I've been on the road that if you asked me before yesterday's news, who's the most likely Flames hockey ops staffer besides the general manager that you would see on a road trip, I would say Don Maloney, who's around this team a lot. You can tell in the press boxes with the various scouts and other executives, he's this guy's an NHL lifer and he's very well respected. And I think those who know the circumstances he was dealing with in Arizona consider him to be a better manager than maybe some of the draft history would suggest or or the record would suggest. Right. You know, we're talking about a, a bankrupt team that had a handful of scouts. You're not going to have a great draft history. And that's not me saying that I think Don Maloney should be running the draft. But I do think that the Flames are in good hands until a general manager is hired. And now we wait as to when a general manager is hired by the Flames. We'll do uh, on Wednesday's show, it'll be Wes and I again. Uh, Wes and me again? I think Wes and me again is the correct grammatical way of saying that. Um, Or was it Wes and I? Yeah. I never know. (laughs) I never... It's very difficult. It's tough. You know what? To speak the English language, which yeah. I grew up speaking properly, is very difficult. And you know, I always struggle with those things in my first language as well. You write for a living? Try. <laughs> we'll uh, <laughs> dive in on the, the two internal candidates a little bit more on Wednesday. Craig Conroy, Brad Pascal, uh, both very much going to be considered for this new job, which is open now for the Calgary Flames. Uh, For now, that's our look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. As we start to wrap up this hour, Wes Gilbertson uh, with correct grammar, punctuation, spelling, and more on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson or uh, wherever you get your post-media content online or in your two newspapers. Our producers have been Cam and Taylor, and my name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on this Tuesday edition of the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key-to-like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.